Off the ball. GAA. Most of the disappointment's coming from the player's side of view. Look, they're on a hell of a journey. I suppose that's life football. Things happen and look, they've obviously seen an opportunity with Derry and took the jobs. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The F1 pod on Off the Ball with Chicago Town Pizza. Formula One? Yeah, we go to town on it. Okay, you're very welcome back to the F1 pod on Off The Ball. It's episode 11. We are tipping through them weekly between now and the end of the season after race weekends, of course, live on Wednesdays after race weekends. As I said, in the F1 pod podcast feed and the Off The Ball daily podcast feed as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The F1 pod on Off The Ball brought to you by Chicago Town Pizza. Real takeout taste for less with Chicago Town. Keep your questions coming in as per usual every week. Delighted to welcome back Bernie Collins, the F1 pundit and former head of race strategy for the Aston Martin Formula One team and a very special guest for this week's episode. We have Connor Murr, aka Connor Sketches. Bernie and Connor, how are things? Good, thank you. I'm very well. I was disappointed you didn't introduce me as a Formula One expert, but whatever. Of course, <laughs> I should have. I, I, I watched every episode of Drive to Survive. <laughs> Same as myself. We were all basically couch experts. Is, like, is that how your is that how your interest kind of was reignited in, in Formula One? Or were you a fan before then? Or, or what's your F1 fan uh, story? I, when, I, when I was a kid, I was a fan. But when I was a kid, like you had Eddie Jordan, Irvine. Um, and then, but like like a lot of people, like it just dissipated then or something like in the early noughties, like the interest around it wasn't really on the TV anymore or something. It just, it just went away. And uh, it was during COVID then. I was in the War Memorial Gardens drinking some cans because you couldn't drink inside pubs or whatever. And all my wife's friends were talking about the Grand Prix. And I was a bit like, this piqued my interest. I was like, why? Who who talks about the Grand Prix? Like, what are you all talking about the Grand Prix for? And they were like, you're not watching Drive to Survive, no? And I was like, what's Drive to Survive? And that evening I watched three episodes and the rest is history. (laughs) I became (laughs) an an addict. (laughs) Properly back into it. Like, Bernie, you'd be be, uh, more than familiar with Connor and his work, no doubt. Yeah, I'm actually very nervous about this episode of um, our <laughs> I was watching, I was just watching some stuff in it this morning there and I was like, oh, I could easily do that, yeah. <laughs> you, do you think you'd have a Bernie a Bernie in your in your locker, Connor? I think, yeah, if, I, if, you, if you gave me, I definitely like, a lot of people are like, oh, can you do this person and do that person and oh, do it now or whatever. And I'm like, it takes me quite a while like to get somebody. But like, <laughs> I, I like it t- It could take me three or four weeks or something. I'd have to listen to someone every day to get him. But um, it's like at the minute, like Alonso is taking me forever to kind of nail him down. Charles Leclerc is another one that I struggle with. But uh, yeah, it's it t- but I definitely think there's there's definitely plenty to, to go on there with Bernie. Are you see me on Sky Sports doing it one day. <laughs> You'll be more conscious. I can't wait. Then. Please be nice. Oh, I'm always nice. I'm always nice. That's what. Uh, who was it that said that to me recently? Um, um, oh, Nico Rosberg. Yeah, when I met him at Monaco, it was like. Uh, so the guys were like, you know, the guy I was standing right beside him. You know, the guy that does the voice. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and he says, yeah, you know him, yeah. And like he was staring right at me. He's like, yeah. And then the last. <laughs> The guys were like, oh, that's him. And he's like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, that's you. And then I took to him, yeah, I'm working on you at the minute. And he's like, so what's the angle? He was pretty much like, what are you going to do? Um, be nice. And I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pressure. Like, it, because you're, once, you're, once you realize you're going to meet these people in person, then you're like, well, maybe you, have to be, maybe you have to be conscious of what I'm saying. But then I guess that's not the point. Yeah, pretty much. You kind of have to be. Sorry. 
someone's after coming into my house there. <laughs> 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 Terrifying. Hope you're all right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm building a house here at the minute, so there's a few construction workers out there. Uh, lovely. Hard to beat it. I, I think it's a perfect week to have you on, kind of given um, what a weekend it was for, for Carlos Sainz. I mean, must be absolutely buzzing. Oh, incredible. Carlos, very, very happy after that, you know. Um, it was brilliant. I'm delighted for him. Like, and he did great. Like, he's since the break, he's come back and he's been amazing. Like, he's obviously been the. He's he's finished ahead of Charles the last three races. And yeah, I just think like he's really shown like a lot of great form in that car. And I think like thankfully he's made it somewhat interesting and it wasn't a clean sweep for Red Bull. Mm. And how he drove at the weekend was incredible too. Like, you know, and how, like my favorite part of the race was, uh, okay, Lando is, uh, you know, within a second of you, he's in DRS. And I know, I did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> He's just he, he's one of those uh, he's one of those characters in the sport that that we all kind of love and and it's hard to dislike Carlos Sainz and Bernie I think. Yeah, definitely. And like Connor said, there what an intelligent race from start to finish. He really controlled it all weekend. Actually, he left in control of that car. Really put together. All of the lap times are coming smooth. He wasn't like arguing with it, which you've seen the Ferrari guys do in recent races. They've just been really struggling from start to finish. It just looked really smooth. Um, and the intelligence through that race, you know, the first stint backing everyone up, then opening the gap for the safety car, the last stint, like Connor said, trying to get the DRS of Norris. I actually said in, in commentary to one of the guys, I think he's trying to hold on to the DRS. I'm like, no, that would be a ridiculous thing to do. And then like, sure enough. So it was just one of those, he just seemed to have it. He just seemed under control the whole weekend. And, and you know, was close at the end, very close to not getting away with it, but Matt just managed to, to get it home. Is it one of the crazier race weekends, Bernie? I was following your your uh, exploits on Instagram. It seemed like it was nightclubs, searches for monkeys, <laughs> cable cars. You were you were busy. <laughs> I think you say exploits on Instagram makes it worse than it sounds. Sorry, of course. But, yeah. Um, like for us, Jesus, I can't deal with the heat. It's so hot and humid, and it's real. Like you really get a feel for how difficult it is for the guys in the car. Like all of us are struggling in the pit lane and paddock. It is a bit weird. It's one of those ones where, you know, you travel 14 hours, 15 hours on a flight, but you're trying to keep on the UK time zones. You're getting up at 12 or 1. You're going in for 2 p.m. You're having breakfast at 1 p.m. or something. So it's a real odd time zone. And then you're trying to, you know, why it seems so such exploits, like you say, is you're trying to stay awake to sort of 4 or 5 in order to be on the right thing for getting up at, midday early afternoon again so it feels somehow when you're working it like you've got more hours than you do in a normal race weekend because you're trying to get back from work and do this staying up and but it is just it's just odd in that way um and then yeah because i'm going on to japan i'm in japan now and i had a few days off post singapore in singapore to try and get myself onto an actual time zone (laughs) yeah it's a it's a tough uh tough one on the body i'd imagine to kind of know where you are, what time you're supposed to be going to sleep and all the rest. Have your um, F1 Grand Prix, uh, I guess, exploits again, Connor, been been busy this year? Have you managed to get over to, to any race weekends? Oh, just the one, Monaco. Whatever. Oh, must be tough. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I'm hoping to get to Vegas and I was uh, did Monaco. Um, they're incredible weekends, to be fair, like how they put them together and stuff. Like, obviously, my first one was in Austin last year and uh I, like I was like nearly, I don't know, I was nearly emotional leaving it. I was like, that was incredible. 
<laughs> like literally, if you go to one, you are hooked. And I was delighted. Like even when you watch it on TV, and to be fair, on TV, it is it's amazing to watch and they make it so interesting. But when you're at the track, sometimes when you see an overtake on TV, before I was at a Grand Prix, I was very much like, you know, uh, Crofty's like, and he's going to take it and you're a bit like, was it was it that crazy? Like, you're whatever you're watching on TV. And then when you're there and you see like an overtake at that speed, you're like, well, it is crazy. And how the crowd like just erupt and stuff. But um, uh, for me, like I, I, I am absolutely I love it. Like, I really love it. And like a lot of people like I get asked to do um, different games. And even in America, I've been asked to do different sports like and I just never went into them. Um, because if I'm not interested in the sport, like I can't do what I would like to think is a good job of the sport. So I have to, cause like Sundays for me, for instance, like it's like there's soccer on, there's F1 on, there's golf on. Mm-hmm. So like, I have to like them to be able to spend my entire Sunday sitting on the couch. God, God help me sitting on the couch watching sports, but going to it, like just done me the world of good. Like, and even like what Bernie was saying there about like, I find every race interesting as well. And I can see like sometimes the likes of yourself or even Martin and stuff, when you're on TV, you are explaining it to people because you do realize there are people out there that are from the drive to survive generation. Like there's a huge amount of them that don't understand exactly. Like when I heard that Lando was in the DRS zone, I was like, Oh no. Cause I was, I had that idea for the video in my head, like from about 20 laps out. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be deadly. And I'll just instead of the anti Spanish anthem, I'm just going to have smooth operator. <laughs> so I was standing up on the TV, like roaring it on for Carlos. But then I was like, oh my God, he's in the DRSO. And then uh, after you were like, you know, explaining it and stuff, I'm like, oh my God, that is genius. So he had a minute, but just in it back far enough that he couldn't punish him. And yeah, I just, I absolutely love it. And going to Monaco and going to Austin, like, um, for me, just as a sports fan, like, to go to these is just incredible. Like so, yeah, love it. Was that that must have been a bit of a pinch me moment, even Austin last year, where you know you're you're there, I guess as guests of the organizers, and you know you've gone from I guess doing you know videos on your mobile phone to all of a sudden being at a Grand Prix and and everyone probably recognizes you at it because you've you've put up all these videos. It must have been a strange one. Oh, Monaco was like it was wow. Uh, we came out with a hotel and I think I was staying in the same hotel as some of the drivers. Like, so when I came out, like these people ran at me, my wife was like, <laughs> like, this doesn't happen ever. And these, all these kids ran over and like, it took me every morning about 10 minutes to get out of the hotel where you took pictures and you were there and you were like signing tops and hats. <laughs> and then even when I was driving to the, to the racetrack, as I was coming in in the car, people were banging on the window, like pointing at me and stuff. I was like, this is the craziest thing ever. And then when I was going to Monaco, we were over in Nice. And I said to my wife, I was like, let's go over Saturday. Cause like, that'd be a bit mad or whatever. You know what I mean? Same crack as Austin. Went to Monaco. I'd say about four people come up to me all weekend. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It was a completely different vibe in Monaco. You could see like in Monaco, to be fair, it's a, I don't know if there's like, when I was at Austin, it was all about the race. Everything was about the race. And when I was at Monaco, I felt everything was like, oh, there's Neymar. Oh, there's Tom Holland. It was a bit more like you were at the Oscars or something. It wasn't the, the race was kind of something that was happening in the background or something. Yeah. <laughs> that takes time, I'd say, even Bernie, like to get used to when you see the, because it's one of those sports that has become so mainstream. Like there's no other sport where you see so many celebrities on the, you know, the pit lane and, 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 and the grid before, before a race starts. It's a bit crazy. Yeah, it definitely is. I'm like, I'm glad I was going to ask Connor a question. I was going to ask if he brought his wife along, given that she got him into it. But I'm glad to hear that he did. So that's positive. <laughs> Twice. But, 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say two wives are Connors. <laughs> she when we watched when we got to the third episode of uh, Drive to Survive, I think it went to Monaco, Monaco, Monte Carlo, yeah, and she just looked at me and she went, "If you go there, I'm going there." She's from Donegal. <laughs> Like, if you go there, I'm going there with you. So she's actually been to me. She's been with me twice to the two Grand Prix I've been at. And the next one I'm going to as well, she's she's booked in. The great thing for her is that she's finally interested in a sport that I do. The rest of them, she couldn't care. Yeah. I just, the thing for me is like, you get to the grid and you see people on the grid and you get that someone's importance coming or in the paddock, whatever, because that person will be coming with a bit of an entourage and like Connor says, people running up trying to get photos or signatures or whatever. Nine times out of ten, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> and then that person walks past me and I have to say to someone, who is that? And then it's like someone that I know I should recognise. But I think because you're so into, you know, unlike Connor, so into the one sport and I don't really sit at home and watch the other sports. I don't watch the football or whatever it might be. Unless it's like a, media, a musician that I know, then it's just lost on me or in someone like someone will tell me and then I'll have forgotten by the next week. So I'm just sort of like, head in the clouds bumping into people not really realising what's going on <laughs> you, you sound like Martin Brundle <laughs> <laughs> yeah like basically same thing it, it, it's funny because like I'd say you were licking your lips watching Drive to Survive Connor because you see someone like Gunther Steiner Toto Wolf, uh, Carlos Sainz Daniel Ricciardo like they, there's, they're all I don't know maybe it's it's the same in other sports but they're all so expressive and uh, like I'd imagine people that you're just dying to impersonate Oh, big time. Um, Like, actually, for next year, I actually want to try and do a video at the start of the year where I attempt to do all 20 drivers, like, just right. to give, it'll take ages. Like, I kind of need to start on it, like, maybe in November or something. But um, that was the big thing for me as well. When I was watching that, I was like, oh, my God, this is easy because in other sports, they don't really say much. Um, they don't give away much. While in Formula One, you are obligated to get out of the car you're still sweating and everything. You wipe yourself down and, you know, you're pretty much over into the media pen, you know, fairly soon after that. So whatever emotion, like look at George at the weekend, like he's crying. Like he's literally, you know, you can see, or he's after wiping away the tears. Like he's so upset. While if you got George an hour later, if he went to a dressing room and he came out, like he's, he's gonna, he's more composed. So that for me is just huge with Formula One. And then Drive Five gave me like, the characters, like, you know, as in you're watching Daniel, like Daniel Ricardo, like he, ha- he's just so, so big. Like he's probably, you know, he's up there with the biggest drivers in the world. And a lot of it is to do with his personality and how likable he is. And, you know, the big smile like that, you know, <laughs> like, it was one of the first, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I just love it. I call so small at night, you know, he was one of the first. <laughs> And Carlos was easy. Like, I remember looking, I literally, that's the line I looked at my wife. I was like, we're sitting on the couch. I was like, my name is Carlos Shines. I'm a driver with Ferrari. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. So I was like, I knew I had him. But um, yeah, it just it just gave me an insight into who they are as people, which makes it easier for you to write funny stuff around them because it's like in golf, I find it pretty hard. The live stuff this year was good. And obviously Netflix tried to do the same thing with the golf. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like, golf is harder to kind of follow it goes on for so much longer and they spend five hours playing golf and of that five hours maybe over four of those hours are walking Mm. you know so like if you like one episode was on a guy called joel damon but we haven't really seen him playing golf at all this year because he's not been in contention but like in drive to survive everybody is in contention for something 
whether, you know, it's the Haslads trying to score points. It's like, I, I don't know, was it like Jeddah won those races? I remember after it, like Williams scored a point and it was like they celebrated like they won the Grand Prix. And that's what I think is amazing about Formula One. Like some people come on and they go, what a boring race for Stappen won it again. And it's like, well, it, depending on what you're watching, yeah, it's boring. If you're just watching to see who won the race, it's boring. But if you're looking at like a battle between Alonso and Lewis and like that, like it does matter if Mercedes beat Ferrari or Ferrari beat Mercedes and stuff like that. Like there's so much more to play for and so much more going on, I think, in Formula One, which makes it for me like at the minute, it's the one I enjoy most. It's it's posture as well. It's it's like even when from some of your videos, like you had the Lewis Hamilton jewelry and like even the Kemi Raikkonen one where he's just sitting down in the seat and the the posture is so uh I guess the posture of a man who doesn't want to talk and hates interviews, really. Yeah, you know, that's incredible to be here, you know, on this podcast. Whatever your name is. <laughs> <laughs> he's I actually met a guy at the weekend who was doing a golf gig and he's mates with a few of the drivers. He's like, uh, I met Kimmy, yeah. He thinks you're a c- see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Does he really? <laughs> well, I don't know. I doubt he thinks of it. Like maybe he was in it for a joke, so I don't know. But uh yeah, yeah there's like uh he's it's weird. I do transplant some characters like from one sport to another, and I'm like, oh, he's like that. He's like that. And then Francesco Molinari, the golfer that I was doing for so long, uh, who just has that like bland expression on his face, who just doesn't really like he has no expressions and he just kind of says stuff like, yeah, really excited to be out there. I was like, well, there's Kimmy. Like, so sometimes a bit of the work I've done over the last couple of years, like just, you know, helps in sort of formulating characters. I was actually, I, I actually, I'm literally at the minute doing like a little radio um, green screen background thing where I'm going to have radio Kimmy. <laughs> uh, it's going to be like his own podcast where people are just calling in. And I thought it'd be deadly if I, had, I was I'm maybe thinking about putting Will Buxton with him. So you've one of them like that is just like, you know, nearly climax and talking about F1 and the other <laughs> fellas like, and this uh, did was shit, wasn't it? It's going to be very good, Connor. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's I've been waiting on that idea. I'm kind of, I'm like digitally building the set for it. That's that's amazing because it's 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 one of those sports, and that's why we were half joking at the start about about you impersonating Bernie at some stage. But it's that it's one of those sports where the the pundits, because the TV coverage is so big, the the punditry and the analysis is is so important. Like the likes of Will Buxton and the other guys and and, and on on TV, you know, they're they're such important figures in the sport as well. Massively, this this is one thing I have a bee in my bonnet this year. Like, and I think it's just because I'm been over at F1 and stuff, and I'm like. The GEA needs a little bit more media. It needs more PR. It needs some like characters talking about it. Like, because this is the first year I kind of felt outside some good games. I was like, there was no real storylines. And I like to do like, I, I way, way prefer of all the games that I do. I love my GEA stuff and I want to do plenty of it and stuff. And I found this year, like it was very hard to come up with. Ideas. Now, definitely my interest, obviously being involved in different games, you can't give it the attention that you've given it before. But like, I just think F1 like just has, like the coverage of it is so good. Uh, on a Sunday, I just sit there and I will watch before it on Sky. I'll watch the race. You know, you press that. I'm like, I'm gonna, actually, I do actually do some stuff for Sky. So it sounds like I'm plugging Sky Iron at the time. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's just so good. And it just, it's as a product, they make it even when the winner just walks away with it. And the, I don't know, the championship has been won months ago, not even weeks ago. It's still interesting and I'll still watch every race and I'll still like get excited about like all the way up to Abu Dhabi. Like, and I just think it, it does such a good job between everybody, between F1, between Sky, 
they do such a great job of may, giving you the most entertaining product they can give you. That that must be something, Bernie, that you you guys have, have very much in, in the back of your heads. Like across those, say, last 10 races like before the weekend just gone where, you know, Max Verstappen is winning. It's a bit of a procession every week. But yet you guys still have to make it interesting and and, and point out the you know the battles of the midfield or or the race for the podium or or even a, a, a you know a nice little overtaking battle further down the grid. You have to make it interesting somehow. Yeah, well, I think to be honest, I think that was easier in my position than some of the other guys because yeah, some people out there are only interested in who's winning. But I've spent so long in that midfield battle, and there's so many good midfield battles that. That really actually interests me to see who's doing where and the fact that you can't predict who's going to be P2, 3, 4, maybe all the way, you know, like quite far down. You don't know where the order is going to end up. So I I actually find that bit reasonably okay. There's always been loads of stories to talk about, be it wonder I'm doing well or badly or whatever it might be. So there's always, because you've got these 20 individual teams, players, all trying to have their own little individual battles, there's always something to pick up on or and so there's always a lot there's always more almost to report on than what you can report on in the time you have available so it's just about picking the stuff that's most interesting and the bit for me that's the challenge and what we're trying to work on going forward is how do you sell that midfield story well during the race how do you keep everyone well enough informed of what's going on all these little other battles that are happening because I think we have had a lot of TV in the past particularly where it's just who won the race, and that was the only driver you're watching for the entire 50, 60 laps, whatever it might be. So I think we are getting better at that. Um, and yeah, like there's there's loads of interesting stuff. And I think the thing we have now is that so many people are so keen to learn and be that the new fans learning something, you know, right at the beginning or the people who have been watching it for 30, 40, whatever number of years that are want to get more in-depth to the tyre models, whatever it might be. So... Yeah, there's loads out there. It's just how we package it and get out there. I've probably have spoken to you about this before, Bernie, but like that, that uh, I guess, progression from race strategy and the engineering side of things into the media, was that was that something you always had in the back of your head or was that something that kind of came about <laughs> coincidentally? No, it just sort of happened. So I didn't, I stopped racing because I didn't want to do 23 races. I actually really loved what I did. I loved doing strategy. I loved the pressure of being on the pit wall. I love the influence that I had in the race, I suppose, being honest. You know, you had a big effect on what happened at the end of a Sunday, albeit just one team. But you were so involved in it all. And I, and I got on really well with the people I travelled with, enjoyed the travelling. But at some point you have to realise you're not 20 and actually you probably shouldn't do, you know, 25 or whatever it is, weeks away from home. You should maybe be a bit more settled on that. So I elected to just give it up. And it was really good, actually. And then... Um, the, the media stuff's just happened off the back of that a bit randomly um, without loads of training, which is a bit worrying, but there you go. But it, it brings a different element um, and it's about trying to improve the overall coverage that we get and sort of seeing how it goes. Like it might work out, it might not work out. Let's see. Um, this year's been okay, I think, um, but let's see where it goes next year. Absolutely. Onwards and upwards. It's uh, it's flying for now, for sure. I'm going to take a very, very short ad break, guys. We'll be back in just a second on the F1 pod and off the ball. Bernie Collins and Conor Murr with us. I'll be back in just a second. Hello, Shane Hannan here, the host of the F1 pod on Off the Ball, which is available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get into the episode proper, however, I did want to take a quick moment to mention our sponsors of the F1 pod, Chicago Town Pizza. And sure, when you're watching the Grand Prix action across the weekend, 
why not enjoy it with a pepperoni Chicago Town stuffed crust pizza it's takeaway taste at home it's the F1 pod from off the ball with thanks to Chicago Town takeaways unique fresh dough pizza yeah we go to town on it the F1 pod on off the ball with Chicago Town pizza Formula 1 yeah we go to town on it all right, you're very welcome back to episode 11 of the F1 Pod and Off the Ball Weekly on Wednesdays after race weekends between now and the end of the season live in the F1 Pod podcast feed, the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed as well, wherever you get your podcast. Myself, Shane Hannon, we've got Bernie Collins, the former head of race strategy for the Aston Martin Formula One team, and we have Connor Murr as well with us, aka Connor Sketches, Formula One expert. Connor Murr. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> again. Yeah, I almost got it. I almost forgot it again. Jesus. Got there eventually. Um Connor, you were talking about uh, about Monaco there earlier. And like that's it's it's amazing how many people I talk to who even have a passing interest in, in Formula One and Monaco is always on their sporting bucket list, you know, alongside things like the Super Bowl and what whatever else. Is it does it live up to expectations or is it all just so Hollywood that it's hard to enjoy it? Um it all depends. Like, I'm not. I'm probably not a good person to ask that because I, I'm probably not there as a spectator. Like, and when I'm there, then I'm always like, uh, like I actually was brought over by Red Bull. Like, and they were like, you don't have to do anything. I so I did a gig with them in December, and they were like, you need to go to a race because when I was in Austin, like my schedule was like, boom, you're here with Ferrari, you're here with Carlos, now you're with Mercedes the following day, you're whatever. Like, and it was just like that. And at the end of it, I was like, wasn't that amazing? But during it, like, I was stressed out to the max, like, and I lost my voice on the Saturday where I went to a party. And, like, I would have had a few drinks, but not enough to lose. But, but it, it, there was very loud music. And I remember on the Sunday, I was supposed to do the grid walk with Martin Brundle, and I couldn't do it then because my voice was literally gone. <laughs> and it was just a crazy week. But I remember leaving going, wasn't that amazing? Like, that was just incredible. But in the middle of it, I I'd like I would have been a bit stressed. And then in Monaco, it was like, just go and relax. And then I couldn't go and relax because I felt bad because Red Bull were after giving me these amazing like tickets and stuff. And I was like, I better do something. So I was trying to, even when I went back to the hotel, I was like, oh, I got to do something. So like I, I contacted the guy Rebel. I was like, well, I can do a little bit of Christian if you want. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'd love that. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, you know, but I definitely, I would say that I actually had more of a grow for Austin because I t- it was for me like going there I am very interested in the race and I'm very interested in all that kind of stuff and yeah in Monaco it was a bit more of like this incredible show and it was still incredibly cool like um we like the whole weekend was amazing like we watched qualifying on a boat you know um <laughs> and then we got a boat back after the race, me and my wife and Jensen Button like got a boat back over to the Red Bull. And like it was just like surreal stuff. Like it really was amazing. But um yeah, I'm sure it has to be a bucket list thing for anybody just to go there and even like the city, like to get over there to Monte Carlo, like it really is just something else. I think we have spoken about this in studio before and in, in the off the ball studio one uh, it was an episode we did of uh, you had to be there and you're talking about like it must be so strange when you're, you know, you're sitting on stage beside someone like, say, Roy Keane, having impersonated him or, or and doing it in front of him then, or Jose Mourinho or Tiger Woods. Like, you know, when, when it goes from you deciding to pick a person to impersonate, mastering that, and then, I guess, recording the video and releasing it to the public, to then get the chance to sit beside them or stand beside them and, and do the impression must be, I don't know if amazing or nerve-wracking is the right word. Uh, it's it's a lot more amazing than nerve wracking because anytime you do it, you realize if it's set up that the person knows you're coming on. And if they know you're coming on, they obviously like you. 
Um, do you know? So like, or not like you, but like your impression. Like, let's say they obviously don't know you, but like, so I had heard that Keane enjoyed watching the videos or whatever. Like, and I had obviously I'd heard that Mourinho like would be on a Monday uh, when he was at Tottenham would be like, did you see this video? Did you see it? very good again, again? So, um, <laughs> and even the Tiger thing was the same thing. I remember when I got asked to do that, it was like, does Tiger know about this? They were like, no, we're going to ask him later on today. So I remember kind of thinking, oh, it probably won't happen. And then that evening they were like, Tiger stoked. And I was like, all right. So it did make it an awful lot easier for me meeting um, the guys. The re- And it's like when you meet Roy Keane, like, there's a different nerves as well. Like, cause I grew up like watching Roy Keane and like, as I was explaining to somebody, Roy Keane, like is nearly above your top celebrities in Ireland. He's in between top celebrities and other sports stars and revolutionary figures or something. He's just there underneath them or something. He's a cult hero. And meeting him was very nerve wracking. The F1 lads, it, that, that can be a little bit cause some, like a lot of t- when I met all them, it was very random. Even mm-hmm. when I met Daniel that time and we got that little great piece of footage, like, he's like, yeah, say shit about me again and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was, it, it is, it's brilliant. And it's like, at the minute, would you believe, everybody kept saying to me after the Roy Keane thing, they're like, what are you going to do like now? Like, There's no one really you can do that you're going to get bigger than Roy Keane. Being Irish and everything else, they were like, you know, and I was like, you're absolutely spot on. I don't think there is anybody. And then I was like, unless it was like Ronaldo or Messi, but I've done Ronaldo quite a bit. Mm. So I, when I was over in Monaco, I, I was walking by certain like, um, it was like little sort of pop-up stages and we're in like, like somewhere in Italian. There was one I walked by, they were in French. And I was like, it'd be worth learning a European language. And I thought to myself, like, imagine I learned Spanish and then I did Messi because Messi doesn't talk English. And I did my impersonation of Messi, yo hablo espanol, talking Spanish. I was like, so at the minute, <laughs> I'm learning Spanish. Are you right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I was like, imagine if I was at the Spanish Grand Prix or the Mexican Grand Prix or something, and I was doing Carlos Sainz and I was doing it on TV, like for in Spanish, like. <laughs> so yeah, that's my. I've said it. So that's I'm after putting it out there into the world. Uh, maybe one day I like get to do Messi. Uh, before he retires or something, if I if I learn it quick enough, I mean that's a, so Connor. <laughs> I want to I want to see you do the FIA press conference as the interviewer. I want to see you do the interview questions for the FIA press conference to oh, whichever yes. drivers are in the press. Do conference. you know actually F one? Um, when I was with them in Austin last year, they actually had that kind of idea, and I bottled it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, because there's a lot of serious journalists in there. And then you come in. And at the time you see, <laughs> if you don't know who you are, they'd be like, who's this lad? I'd be more comfortable doing it now because they'd probably know, you know what I mean? <laughs> going in there. But uh, yeah, I could definitely, that's actually a sketch. I could just. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. You can have that for free. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, cheers, cheers. I'll go easy on you then when I'm doing the old impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a, if you have a, a Donegal a girlfriend, or is a wife, Connor, at this stage? Yeah. Well, then yep. you, if you're like Bernie, you're from Manor, so it's not it's not a million miles away, I guess. Yeah, it's not, but you probably heard a lot of people there, and I saying that. No, of course there are. Definitely, I could see there was a little bit of disdain there. There are there are definite accent differences. There's there's like it's it's very subtle, possibly. Oh, it's it's not that far away. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> it is. You know, to me, 
before I started doing impersonations, it's like when you go to America, you think everybody sounds the same. But then when you live over there a while, you're like, oh, no, you start noticing differences. And I would notice like a Donegal accent and a Derry accent and a Fermanagh accent. And then obviously Cav and then it's like, it's halfway between. Hey, with the going there, you know yourself. But uh, I'm a bit old because I've spent, like I spent, what, 13 years in England now? Mm. So I've slowed down a lot from what I would have spoke when I'm at home. And then to add to the mix, my other half Scottish. So I'll occasionally <laughs> say like a Scottish word in the middle of everything. <laughs> Just to get things at all. There's yeah, a good combination yeah. going on. Yeah, I find I, the same thing happened to me in America. Um, I It was the best thing ever. About 10 years ago, I went over to J1. And I was working behind a bar. And this guy was like, uh, hey, sir. And I was like, oh, what can I get you? He's like, what? I was like, what can I get you? He's like, so what, what the, f- did you just say? <laughs> I was like, what can I get you? He's like, slow it down, bro. Slow it down. <laughs> and then after a few weeks in the bar, I realized I was talking too fast. So that definitely helped my speech. <laughs> That's, it's a quick lesson to learn. Uh, like, yeah, sometimes it is just a matter of staying, saying the same thing, but slowly. Uh, like for you, for you, Bernie, would you have a, would you have a favorite of Connors that he, that he does in, ter- in F1 terms or otherwise? Oh, that's a big question. I actually really like, I think the two, I quite like the Ricciardo ones. And just because I love, so one of the roles I did in my job was I listened to all the drivers after the race. I'd listened to all their radio comms. And the one I always loved listening to was Kimmy because it was by far the best radio comms you could get. So just because you've got, and you know, it was one of the, and plus you would listen to everyone others. When you took all the gaps out, everyone else's was like 15, 20 minutes. Kimmy's was like five minutes. So it was the easiest one to listen to as well because there was literally no conversation there. So, uh, yeah, I quite like those two, I would say. Uh, I, I actually, I started doing like little cartoons where I was doing like the radio, because I thought like there's so much content there in the radio, uh, in the cockpit when they're talking back. So I was doing like, and I've never, I actually just, in my head there, I'm like, I should just do like some archive ones of Kimmy and just like draw it up. I did it like an animation so that because I because I can't put myself in a car, obviously. Yeah. Because I bought enough of the gear and I was like, I'm not buying the helmets then and trying to green screen that crack. I actually <laughs> one day had helmets. I was like, I'll just buy the helmets. And then I was like, so three thousand for a helmet. I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, one of the teams will sort you out. Ask the Martin there. Bernie has a few contacts. We can we can sort out a helmet, maybe. I said that now. I've not got a helmet yet, so I'm not gonna sort oh, one out for <laughs> that, that that's a team now. That's a team for me that like I have huge interest in. You know, just everything. It's like it's like uh, it's like succession or something. And who's 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 the main guy there or whatever, like, you know, uh, with uh, Lawrence. That's like I find that really interesting. I seen my remember like when he walked. uh, I was sitting on the energy station and Lawrence walked from, you know, as they walk out onto the what do you call it? Like the the jetty, like get onto the boat or whatever. Mm. Yeah. So he walks across like and in my head I just had the succession music and he was really pissed off like they like Alonso nearly could have won that one or whatever and La- like it just wasn't overall wasn't a good day for him like because they they were they were close and obviously Lance didn't do go great so he's walking across and I just had the, the succession music in my head and I was like I got to start doing some succession stuff there like, I was oh, like yeah very slowly walking very slowly <laughs> few people asked him for a photograph he was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, Logan Roy or Lawrence Lawrence Stroll is Logan Roy. That works 100. You can I can see it straight away. Like it, it's one of those like Bernie when you're when you're watching. You say at the weekend there, for example, like Lance Stroll can't even start. 
big shunt in qualifying and then and then Fernando the car's undrivable uh, in the race like and a number of things go wrong like are you looking at, at, at weekends like that at nights like that for Aston Martin and just thinking Jesus what's what is happening there oh yeah I think like, there's been a few races recently like um, that one you just well, one of the things I thought before the race this is going to sound very odd but actually having one car in the race is at times more difficult than having two cars because you've got twice as many people all with their input to one car. So it actually becomes really difficult on the pit wall because there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Everyone's given an opinion. So I was just thinking to myself, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in that position. But then, you know, the Monaco wet race, again, those decisions are really difficult. And it's just, you don't want the, like, kickback afterwards. But, yeah, just the weekend seemed really, I didn't realise properly until I started to go through it on your Tuesday how bad, I knew where Alonso had finished, but sort of how bad it all panned out. Rumour has it something maybe broke in the car early on in the race, some suspension bit that was part of what made it undrivable. But God, like the weekend just went from bad to worse. Like hopefully it sounds like Lance is going to be good to get in the car this week. But the car seems to have not developed or not made the progress. But from where they were, if you look at their trajectory from clearly P2 when we rolled out race one to where they are now, and McLaren's trajectory from where they rolled out to where they are now, they're like directly opposite. And the the getting better and better through the season is easier for a team to deal with. Whereas the other one is like people get used to the podiums, then you get disappointed, then you race we don't even score points. Um it's pretty hard to take as a, a team pit wall, the guys in the garage. So it's let's hope they can turn it around this weekend. But yeah, it was a difficult weekend for them. And you mentioned already, Connor, like George Russell and the the definite tears. There were tears, one hundred percent, there in the in the post race interview. Like and and like that last lap. I mean, look, it's probably a bittersweet. Well, not really bittersweet. The all of egos. Lewis Hamilton will be delighted with his podium, no matter what way he got it. But um, when you see something like that happen to George Russell, it's uh, it must be tough to take. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult. I don't talk about right now. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> per George. <laughs> Um, yeah, I felt bad for him. I love George. I thought uh, that's why I didn't take the mick out of him after the, the race. Uh, but um, yeah, it was it was unfortunate. And he, like I suppose he might be feeling a bit under pressure, like because Lewis is kind of like that gap is stretching between him and Lewis. And obviously, you've so similar happening at Aston Martin, obviously where Lance is under pressure, and obviously for other reasons as well. Like you know where the disparity between him and Fernando is huge, or, or so. I think Fernando's got like something like eighty percent of the points this year. Lewis is like up around 60% of the Mercedes points. And it was just, I, I think with the way the Red Bull car is, you probably aren't going to get too many opportunities like that between now and the end of the year. And that was a massive chance uh, for George, like to get a win. And he obviously got a great win last year. So I think, yeah, he came in like, you could see it. Like he's just, he's he's very like that though. Like sometimes even when he wins, I think, is he about to start crying? Like he, <laughs> he wears it all. Like that's what I, as I was going back to that earlier, that's what's great about like, you know, the microphone is just, as soon as he jumps out of the car, he's got to go talk. You know what I mean? And he, um, yeah, I hope he turns it around. Uh, I hope he's not feeling under too much pressure. Like he obviously, he may be like just Lewis, Lewis is performing better definitely in the last couple of weeks. But uh yeah, it's between them and Ferrari now for second place. Yeah. I don't think Aston Martin now it's like just too much for them. To kind of in a sense are operating on one leg. I think like obviously it's usually one car that's like scoring all the points like and it's just like McLaren might be looking at them now thinking like maybe we could like if we have a big finish and Oscar can start scoring like we could actually jump 
Aston Martin, which would be a huge disappointment given the strides Aston Martin have made this year. Like, you know, like you just said earlier on, Bernie, it's like McLaren started off and they were a bit of a joke shop at the start. They obviously got something wrong, but they, they knew what they got wrong and they got fixing it. And it looks like Aston Martin got a lot of stuff right. And I don't know whether they've got something wrong now or... They've just, yeah. I suppose, if you're standing still in F1, you're going to be left behind or something. And I don't know what's going on. I think, um, like you say, Connor, like McLaren sounds so confident. So they were saying going into last weekend that the upgrade was bigger than the upgrade they brought earlier on in the year. I don't think we fully see any upgrade when we go to Singapore because the circuit it is. Oscar's going to have it this week. So you're going to have two cars running the upgraded, like a very aero performance track of Suzuka. So it's going to be real interesting to see. And I think like the few people I spoke to in the probably in a hundred percent, their ambition is to turn it around and see, you know, overhaul Aston, keep going. They, they're not aiming at stopping there. So it'd be a real interesting end of the year, I think, for them. The, the Ferrari thing as well, Bernie, is, is just fascinating because a, a number of times in the podcast this year, we've, we've spoken about Ferrari from a, from a strategy perspective in, as well. And, you know, they left a little bit to be desired, certainly last season as well, even, um, I mean, it feels like they're back. Charlotte Claire won't be as happy as signs, obviously, with the weekend just gone. But that uh, that constructors race for second, as Connor mentioned, is only down to twenty four points. Yeah, I think you know, particularly with Charlotte, they did an amazing weekend. They had the perfect strategy. Charlotte controlled a lot of it. There was a lot of confidence coming in the calls from the pit wall as well. It was very clear cut. Um, being totally critical, I think the only thing they could have done better is I think there was an opportunity for Leclerc to get his car out in front of him, um, you know, in a better gap in that pillion. So they held him for Hamilton coming in, but Hamilton was slowing down for the stack. So I think when I talked, there was a gap in, in Formula One terms, was three second gap there. So depending on the strength of the guy at the front releasing the car, you release into that gap. Now it's obviously different pillion at 60 kph. There's loads of reasons, a split second decisions, but McLaren were confident and released in the gap. And they got their car right ahead of Leclerc. And I think there was a bit of an opportunity. So there could have been a one-two on the cards there. For being, that's me being super critical, right? But the weekend, aside from that, from the decisions that came from the pit wall, pretty flawless. Um, they're hopeful, at least in the press, that they can do keep it up into Japan. Let's see. But um, yeah, it's looking, they're looking a lot more comfortable in the car than what they were. And a lot more of a unit. We've often seen Ferrari like a real split. Drivers aren't agreeing with the pit wall, the pit wall aren't agreeing with management, whatever. They look real together at the minute. Mm. Yeah, I was I was I was actually writing them off last week. Uh <laughs> or in Italy. Uh, like what I said the last two laps or so I was like, what are they doing? I was like, this is this is in Italy. Don't mess this up. And Charles was locking up. And I was thinking like Fred is like He's like a parent over two sons that are of the same age or there's a year between them. And Charles is the older fella and he won't let the younger fella do anything. It's like, no, you know, what I mean? or something. And I was like, I just thought after last week, I was actually fearful for them in the sense that like they are getting it together. But they kind of both guys are looking at it like, no, I'm number one. And then they don't really say who's number one. It's like they've got two number one drivers or something. And that like I thought like. What a risky, it just looked like they were fighting it out in the last lap. And I was like, Jesus, like they don't really have much control. But then this week, um, what a huge difference, like and when they work as a team. And I'm sure Charles like 
didn't really want to do like he didn't want to be the supporting act like but he did very well and he complimented Carlos so well and this week is where you've seen him like everybody from the top down work as a team and it was yeah like you said it was like pretty flawless well I wonder if that's going to really add the pressure in quality now because he was forced to be Leclerc was forced to be the number two driver if you want to call it that because of the qualifying so actually you know, maybe they have a new procedure that whoever t- comes out of turn one first, that's the lead driver that weekend. So how long does that, you know, friendliness last? Um, let's see. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's amazing. And it's it's so funny when you're, we're talking about such young drivers here as well. And that was even something I, I, I remember from one of your skits that just came to me as well, Connor, like even the, the Lando Norris dummy. And you, you sometimes forget how, how young these lads are, like George Russell, Lando Norris, Liam Lawson picks up his first points on his third Grand Prix at the weekend for AlphaTauri as well. Amazing achievement for him. Sometimes you forget. I guess if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough in any sport. Yeah, it's it's weird. Even when I went over to Austin that time, like somebody was like, yeah, "We're going to get you to dress up as the driver and then just surprise him as he comes out." And in my head, I was like, "I'm 34 years of age." I was like, "This fella's like 22 or something." I was like, "And I'm going to be standing there like I'm some sort of child, like." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not doing that <laughs> but uh, it is they're obviously though they're mature beyond their years in fairness to them like to be able to do what they do um, but yeah uh, definitely if you're old enough yeah Liam Lawson I was kind of thinking like what's the dynamic there if he performs well like I don't know what the crack is with Daniel like is there any word on when he's back or able to drive I read something that said potentially Qatar okay so missing but time is it Missing this one and the next one. I'm missing this one back to the next one, but I don't think it's clear. You know, he locked in pain in the pit lane. So. Mm. Yeah, like, and if, and Lawson, like, that was like an amazing drive at the weekend for him, like, you know, and like, yeah. obviously, his qualifying was good, his race was good. Um, be interesting to see if he does well now again next week. Mm. Like, he puts himself in contention, um, you know, for, I don't know, is there many seats available next year? Is there at the moment? Well, just, uh, I mean, for, uh, Sebastian Vettel's talking about wanting to come back as well, isn't he, as well? Is he? Just better get working on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose they all want the seats. They, they, can't, they can't seem to leave for too long, Bernie. No, exactly. I think, like, after tour, there's a lot of talk that um, Sonoda will be confirmed this weekend because we're in Japan, the Japanese driver. So that'll be interesting. But there's seats available there. There's a seat available at Williams. Um, so yeah it's a bit up there but I think like Connor says Lawson's done enough and for someone being so young and being given this opportunity it's like an interview you really want to pass and it's going to affect your whole life whether you pass this interview or not and when you meet him in the pit lane we spoke to him on the grid and Zandboard his first race and he was cool as anything like I couldn't believe how calm and controlled it seemed to be Um, so hopefully he does well he seems like a nice kid and a great opportunity yeah for sure, uh, but guys. Before we let you go, we should we should mention briefly the Japanese Grand Prix this this upcoming weekend. Uh, weekend, Bernie, you're already in situ in in Japan. I'm just looking at last year's results. So Max was the winner. It was uh, Red Bull one two. In fact, Max won, Perez two, Charlotte Claire third, uh, just ahead of Ocon in fourth, and Hamilton in fifth. What what sort of things can we look out for this track, Bernie? Like what what do you expect generally speaking at Suzuka? Um, well, it's a very different track to Singapore. Start with that, so it's really high down for us. You've got the S's at the start of the um, 
of the lap, which are really important. Only figure of eight, I guess, is important to say. Um, so it's always good fun. Um, but it's it's looking like a really dry and sunny weekend this weekend, which is unusual for Zuzuka. We have had rain today. But um, the big thing with that is what you often see, which is expected again this weekend, is between the Friday, Saturday to Sunday, a big change in wind. So you go from a headwind through those S's to a tailwind through those S's, which really changes the balance of the car. Um, and it's whoever's on top of that, well, I think will do well this weekend. Multiple stop race is generally exciting. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if Red Bull aren't back in it. And then it's going to be interesting, like we say, to see how the upgrades that others have brought, the McLaren, the Ferrari, where that PS order sells out. But very, very different to what we had last weekend in Singapore, apart from the heat. <laughs> Everything Bernie said. <laughs> <laughs> I like that punditry. Yeah, I was I was nodding and smiling there, going, "Yeah, yeah, this sounds this sounds good. This sounds good." This, 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 this is what I love though about watching like before the race, like and all this. Like I loved it. Like I wouldn't even think of things like that. Only that it's said to me and it's, it's explained. And I don't know. Yeah, again, not to go back. I don't want to sound like a bloody Sky Ambassador here saying this, but like I I, I love the way like these things are explained to you, and like I find every race, even just like. The race just gone by learning like about what Carlos did with the DRS. Mm. Um, I didn't even get when he said, I did it on purpose. You know, I, I was like, what's he talking about? I was like, well, you know, I thought it was like a joke. <laughs> and then you learn, you're like, oh, no, no. But uh, yeah, that's what makes it so interesting. And that like, obviously, given last week, what happened with Red Bull and their car wasn't totally suited to that track. Like it looks like it should be suited to this one. So they'll probably just get back right on track. Who knows? But uh, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully Max doesn't lose the plot. Yeah, yeah, the usual. Yeah, he he seems to have calmed down a little bit from the from uh, when you first did the skit. I think. Uh, oh, when I I actually he did the skit. He was actually like it, it looked like he was fine. It's like <laughs> I was laughing. I was watching the TV. I seen him jump out with the car, and it was like it was he jumped out with the car, and you could see nearly uh, there was no eye contact made with him. All the Red Bull engineers were all like. <laughs> this way, and he was just storming through the thing, and I was like, oh my god, he's so like. <laughs> peed off or whatever and so then I just got that idea for a sketch I had a gig in Kerry so I couldn't do it straight away it would have been better if I just hopped on it right away but I did it the next morning and the amount of people that came in criticizing me then going Max was totally chill about it like what are you talking about this is this isn't even funny he didn't do this at all I was like well you know it's not real (laughs) if there's one set of fans you don't want to piss off it's the super max super max fans I think for sure Uh, guys it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you both Connor I think the next time we have you on you're going to have to do uh, a, a Bernie Collins impersonation and B, <laughs> f- maybe five minutes or so in Spanish and we'll get the subtitles. Espanol. All right. So when's the next one? Come on around 2026. 2026. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're ready by then. <laughs> you you <laughs> Bernie will be, my Bernie will be ready a lot quicker than the Spanish will, I can tell you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, guys, it's been absolutely brilliant. Bernie Collins and Connor Murr, thanks both for, for hopping on on the show today. Thanks a million for having me, We'll be back with the F1 pod on Off The Ball very soon. Thanks so many for tuning in. The F1 pod on Off The Ball with Chicago Town Pizza. Formula One? Yeah, we go to town on it.